0: Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm Simon Bestwick,
1: and I'm Gemma Files, and this, of course, is No Darkness, but ours.
0: Um, Court, which is a film that's on Adam um, over here in, in the UK, or is that where you saw it? Or
1: uh, Tubi, I saw it on Tubi,
0: um, which I'm um, very glad of the recommendation. Which is set in the seventies and very much has it's a uh, you have this couple. That I think they're both journalists. Yes, that's right.
1: Um, there, one's a photojournalist. The guy is a photojournalist. And uh, the woman is a, a prose journalist. So yeah. she writes the articles and he takes the pictures.
0: Yeah. And there's some sort of military base upon the moor. near. That's right. Sit, which I think yes. it, I can't remember what part of the country it's supposed to be and possibly uh, Devon or Cornwall, perhaps. I don't, I'm not sure.
1: Devon, I think. Um, and they, yeah, they, they're, they're basically like there is this base up on the moor. We don't know what it's for. They won't say what it's for. So we want to investigate it.
0: And then this couple turn up in their white suits yeah. and, they're, and they're eerily sort of good looking and and well groomed and very well spoken, except that they, the way they speak isn't quite right. Yes. Um, the word, the, the the word choice will just be a little off, or the usage of words will just be a little off. Um, it's you know, they it 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 is like the language of somebody who's they, they've just learned the language and they know all the words, but they know all the notes, but they're not necessarily playing them all in the right order, almost. Um, and yeah. the questions, their questions become weirdly intrusive, like did you go up on the moor? Did you copulate?
1: Uh, yes, yes, you went up on the moor. To near the base, and then you copulated. What? No, get out of my house! You know?
0: When they try to get out of the house, the woman basically throws him, the guy back in the, uh, the guy back in the husband back in his chair, and just screams insanely at yes. him. And the the, the the male of the couple says, "She has already killed once; she will again." And the the, the wife says, "If you if we tell you what you want, will you leave?" We never said we would leave yes uh, deeply deeply there's just something it, it, it is i mean the, the the implication as it goes on is that because it, the, what they, they, he talks about the court um and the distant who will come you know again so there's a language there's a it's like the english language or his command of the english language is not such that he can actually express i mean that it, it it could be some form of the fae or yeah. it could be some uh, extraterrestrial it's it's not clear, but they've Yeah, been- it's
1: more you- paradimensional even, you know, like a like a like a rip opened up between two dimensions and we saw you and you saw us and you caught us on film. You took a picture.
0: Yeah, and we're not sure yeah. if it's the case of we're if we you you we you are not you know we we are not going to let you people have evidence of our existence, or that in some way in catching in it being caught on film is it actually caught in a more fundamental sense? Is is, is something of theirs trapped somehow that needs to be brought back? But it, one of the interesting things about the the this the, this mysterious couple this 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 um is that. They can inflict violence terrible violence, but that seems to actually have a consequence for them mm-hmm. the the female one is increasingly sort of like seems to be is increasingly sort of degraded uh, physically and yeah. seems to find it harder to maintain the sort of her her human appearance and her sort of any appearance of equanimity so it's in some way she, she
1: starts to throw up a lot she starts to drool you know it's almost like she's throwing up her own guts and yeah like this this pink stuff that's coming out of
0: her. So the, yeah. the actual the actual commission of violence seems has some seems to have some sort of consequence for them. So exactly exactly why this should be again is never is never really clear. Which is I think that's that's a, a great one of the things that make gives the film a great deal of power. There are a lot of questions that it just doesn't answer. Um, Arguably, it means the final kind of denouement is kind of like, well, it doesn't answer any questions. And it's kind of, it kind of, well, hey, well there's no big surprises in how that ended. Um, you know, um,
1: uh, that, that use of liminality, though, also, mm. you know, it's like, to some degree, it's the, the Doctor Who kind of, well, we only have so much money.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So we have to talk about stuff a lot. Yeah, stuff has it. to happen off screen. To you know.
0: into a virtue, kind of thing. Yeah,
1: every uh, every planet we go to looks like you know a slag heap out the back of the BBC. Yes, you know? <laughs> but but at the same time, there's something very weirdly likable about that. And one of the most amazing moments in COD for me is the moment in the dark room where uh, the husband finally. <laughs> He develops all the photos and he's looking through them and he's pouring through them trying to find what the fuck it is that, you know, has, have brought, has brought these two lunatics to his house yeah. to say things to his wife like, we will remove the head of your baby yes. <laughs> if you don't, blah, 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 you know, um, and threaten his entire, you know, his entire family. Um, and he finally finds something. And we see him staring at it, and then he's like, come over, come over, look at this. And we see both he and his wife staring at it, but we never get to see what it is.
0: We see their reaction. We yes. don't see what they're reacting to. Yes,
1: exactly. But the reaction itself tells us it's horrifying and numinous and world rocking and yeah. awesome. I
0: and that can have been in, and that can have been, it can kind of been, I mean, so it could have been it kind of an extraterrestrial, it can kind have of been yeah. the face, it can kind have of been paradimensional, it can kind have of been yeah uh, any of those things, which of those it was, is less relevant than the fact that it is one of them. Although, let's face it with the way these creatures, these, these these two were behaving it was getting increasingly clear that we were not dealing with uh, with normal human yeah. at any level <laughs> but I yeah guess, I, you the, know
1: right at right at the beginning it reminded me of uh something i used to say about, about dealing with my son which uh was that you know you you have to understand that for cal it's like he's in a foreign country yeah. <laughs> and, you know forever <laughs> It's like, and uh, you're always going to be like that. And, you know, and I've, I've felt that myself on a smaller basis because, because simply being able to communicate better than he does. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's exactly like that. You know, you start off and you're like, you, where, where do you guys come from? You, you're from another country, right? No. <laughs> no, we're from <laughs> another <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> from here, <laughs> it's like yeah.
0: You know, I definitely need to re-watch this film, um, and, not because, and not just because, and not just because we, we we want to do more kind of a deep dive into it, but just because I really wanna, I really wanna watch it again, and I really wanna go, wanna really wanna go through this again.
1: Yeah, I think I've seen it about three times now, and I and I did send away for it. I I I so I now own it, which is good. Um. Because yeah. that's that's a that's a film that rewards uh, study, I would say.
0: Yes, yes, and of course another one, another one we, have, we want to sort of explore in, in depth is uh, is Ennis Main, um, which is again another th- which is another film that definitely repays repeat. I think repeat will definitely definitely. I've seen it. I've only I've watched it through twice now, and I definitely need to to do so again. Um, and I don't know how uh, and I don't know how well this fits into the hauntology concept in that I mean it, it is it's created it's been created as an as as an artifact from the 70s mm-hmm. although it's been made obviously much more much more recently and there's nothing there that would be out of place in the 1970s um yeah it's I mean it is a place where it's basically about a place where time goes completely lally. yeah stops uh, but it's also it's also kind of like bringing a very old uh, a very old myth uh, that's in I, I think is quite prevalent in Cornwall. It's very prevalent in Wales as well. Actually, the, mm. the whole petrification idea—you know, this whole that that you'll, you find it in a lot of. Usually in Wales, when you when you've got like a standing stone a monolith, um, it's usually regard. It's usually somebody who uh, who did, was dancing or working on the Sabbath and got uh, right or got, got petrified, although I think there's one there is one stone um, called the Robber's Stone in North Wales, which is uh, a thief who got petrified um, as he um, tried to do a runner with some with something or other. So, uh,
1: But yeah, you know, the idea of the, the Seven Sisters, uh, the dancing girls, the idea of people who use who are caught in the middle of witchcraft, for example.
0: Yeah. Um, but-
1: oh, and uh, in Psychomania, <laughs> there are, there's a bunch of standing stones that are supposedly witches who have, um, I think, rejected Satan at some point. And uh, the zombie bikers turn into a stone at the end. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I've certainly in a lot, of, certainly in a lot of the the Welsh legends I've encountered, other than the Robber Stone, most of those legends tend to be linked with breaking the sabbath so it's a, uh, of course whether there may have been an older pre-christian tradition it's hard to tell but usually it's a sort of it's it's again it's one of these vastly disproportionate punishments for a, a minor a comparatively minor offense really for mm-hmm. you know dancing on the sabbath or washing or you know washing some clothes and drying the there is I think there's one one standing sense which is supposed to be some washerwomen who basically washing and drying some clothes on the Sabbath and they got petrified for that which is kind of like, fucking hell dudes lighten up who, <laughs> do this to everybody then uh, who, uh, who you know, breaks the Sabbath in some small way you're going to depopulate the entire country just have a load of rocks um, well, I mean, particularly like,
1: on a small island like in Ennis Min <laughs> you
0: know? yeah, yeah. Um,
1: like, man there's nothing left <laughs> it's just rocks I, all the way down
0: <laughs> it is a truly fascinating film Yes. It's, um, I mean, the the the. It's one of those ones where um, I was aware, as I was, as I as I as I'm not often when watching films of uh, the attention to technical detail in terms of how it must, have, in terms of the whole process of film, I guess, and all the process of creating it to actually make look. it so, to make it look so seventies. Um, it's there in almost. It's there in the use in the in the in the use of film, as and rather than digital. Um, it's and, there. and
1: also the film itself, I think, was like ends
0: um,
1: uh, from previously made films. So like stuff that had been cut off in the editing room that uh, they bought up. So <laughs> it's like an older version of film as well.
0: Maybe. I mean, I know he did this in his previous film where where, we're filming like a six, I think a 16 millimetre camera and one way you Mm -hmm. had to hand wind it so you'd be able to film for a few minutes at a time. So uh, you do it in these in this. I mean, it's just just on the technical level. It's extraordinary what he's done. But I mean, the film itself is just uh, it's just this quite remarkable experience i don't know as i said i don't know how quite how well it fits into the hauntology thing other than it obviously is is, uh, an astounding recreation of that particular time i
1: I think it does though because i mean certainly the um the time folding aspect yes uh the idea that something is going on on the island which is cyclical and repetitious but uh and and almost like you're caught in a loop Literally in a loop, but it could be as much a physics based yes. kind of uh, thing as it could be a ritualized or supernatural thing. Um, it's and it's simply that there is no explanation.
0: Yeah, it just is. You know, it just, just is. is.
1: Yeah, it's like this is how I live now. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I live now. In um, you know, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yes doing the same things over and over again you know dropping something down the down the well and you yeah. know and um you know uh measuring oh. the <laughs>
0: right. You know, who just happens to be looks like my dad but <laughs> yeah exactly you know, that's it's... a bit better but um yeah um i think it's a there's definitely a nice a nice thing that I, I did i did i do love that that scene in the chapel with uh with John Woodvine sort of singing that hymn and her joining in, and there's like that very sort of tender smile that passes between them uh, yeah. that uh, feels very genuine. I, as I say, he's not uh, he's not been in a film in quite a few years. It's, it went into his nineties now, now, and nineties now looks quite, quite it does does look quite fragile compared to uh, compared to the last thing I saw him in. Um, although you wouldn't necessarily think he was ninety odd, um, so possibly he's just he's just kind of come out of retirement for this one because this is a this is his daughter's uh, partner making the movie, so it's like okay, this is this is a family thing. I'll I'll pop my head up.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, and again, a very hauntological nineteen seventies kind of early early nineteen eighties kind of aspect is the idea that if everything is is. You know, which which we we see in uh, um, uh, God, the voice of the fire by Alan Moore, oh, yeah. um, you know, the idea that if everything is actually happening at the same time, then if you see a ghost, that ghost could be a person. If you see an angel, that angel could be a person. If you see a monster, that monster could be a person. Any of these things are real. Because they're all existing at the same time, they are and all options are yes. possible at the same time. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, to to the hymn singing preacher, you know, is that like a moment of numinosity? You know, it's like this. This girl just appeared. <laughs> this woman just appeared. Yeah, she just, smiled at me. Like that. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. I mean. I- just realising as well that Woodvine is an actor who's very much associated with that period of the seventies and eighties. Um, I don't think he was any—he's not been any of the Ghost Stories for Christmas. Although he, the big did do a thing in nineteen eighty called Spine Chillers, which were readings of various, you know, sort of classic right. ghost stories for for Jack and Nori, the kids' yes. TV. So you had things I, I think Lost Hearts may actually or a version of that may actually have been one of them um, not all of these are a, a number of these are available on YouTube but not all of them uh, Jonathan Price um, did a couple of a couple of Saki stories include the music on the hill which is one of his least one of Saki's least humorous um, sort of and most you know sort of Paganly supernatural stories. It's it's very much like something Macken might have written, right yeah. down to misogyny. Um <laughs> I, uh, I do I do, I, I do remember. He, I, I haven't been able to find a recording of it, but I do. I think I actually saw it at the time uh, was Sredni Vashtar, mainly because that's what I first heard the name. Um, uh, I still find, for me, the, the, the definitive reading of the story is still the one by Tom Baker. Absolutely. Uh, another very 70s, 80s actor there. Um, but Woodvine did um, a couple of, uh, well, I found a couple of the ones he did. He did The Devil's Ape by Barnard Stacey, which is a fairly, um, in, in many respects, a fairly undistinguished. I think he was sort of, they tended to farm out. So it, a, a, some of these stories were done, you know, it's like uh, Freddie Jones got a lot of got stories by H.G. Wells, um, and Jonathan Price got Sarki, um, you know, certain writers, and I think Michael Bryant got M.R. James. And for some reason, I think John, John Woodvine tended to get like, yeah, you, you get all the other authors. You know, <laughs> you get all the other authors, you know, stories, but, but there were stories by people like Philippa Pierce, um, who yeah. uh, mainly worked for young adults, but very, some very good. Short supernatural stories, some very very effective ones. Um, but yes, yeah, there's that, and there's the the yellow cat by Michael Joseph, which oh. is a great little ghost story. Um, and if you're scared, if if you're not keen on cats to begin with, this will really uh, <laughs> this will not make you any fonder of them. I don't think. Nice. Uh, yeah. So th- 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 there's a nice kind of um, thing of of an actor from that era being. Very much, very much associated with the television and film of that year kind of being folded into the um into the oh and of course woodvan was in one of the great horror films well not, not just outside the hauntological time frame but just getting just yeah. into the, in the early 80s of course he was in American Werewolf in London one of them that's
1: true that's true that's absolutely true the uh so yeah the the idea of like refusing to explain. And the idea of liminality, um, and here's a third concept that I think uh, really does resonate with me as being something from that period and something that makes a thing hauntological to me is um, your complicity in it, that you have to you have to think, you have to pay attention, you have to figure out. Things out on your own, you have to yeah. participate.
0: It's assuming you have a brain and are, going to, and are willing to use it. Of course, yes. another an, another hauntolo- one that definitely falls into this whole hauntological category. Another one we've discussed in the past, Pender's Fen. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, um, it just kind of occurs to me an awful lot of the films that we've uh, a, lot, a lot of the that we've we've did, quite a few of the films we've discussed in the past are ones that would very you know fall very readily into this. That's uh, true.
1: Oh, I'll I'll talk about a little bit more about history of the occult. Um, so it's a very Argentine film. It's set during a very specific era of Argentine history. But at the same time, it's also it's also reinterpreting that history in much the same way that um God, there's a uh, there's a fairly recent book that I bought on audible um called the history of night, I think.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and which is uh again interpreting Argentinian history through the lens of a family and their participation in it um and uh and supernatural uh supernatural methodology as opposed to you know it's like there's normal evil There's human evil, the evil that we know about, Um, evil from South America generally, um, people being disappeared, people's children being stolen, you know, uh, fascism uh, infiltrating everything from the top down and the bottom up, et cetera, Um, you know, colonialism, um, the extirpation of the original indigenous peoples. Yeah. um, but but then there's also this resonance of supernatural evil and i i think maybe it comes out of you know maybe it comes out of um being a catholic nation it's possible and and this sort of moment of post catholicism uh, uh when you know you get a big infiltration of marxism and therefore atheism at the same time yes but <laughs> But this, this idea that, you know, things are so bad, things are so awful, things are happening that are so weird and so black that yeah. it's like witchcraft. It's yeah. like brujería. It's like, you know, um, in, in, in A History of the Occult, what you figure out after a while is that there seems to be uh, a Lovecraftian kind of Intrusion from the outside, but there also seems to be almost crowlian black magic being used on the inside and yep. that their their version of Buenos Aires may not even be. Inside the universe as we know it anymore, it might be in a pocket universe that was that was created by. Something that was done at some point by some spell, some ritual, some, you know,
0: yeah.
1: uh, a pact between powers. And that they're living inside of this. And therefore, that things can be brought into this pocket universe and that they can be removed from this pocket universe. There's a man whose dead body is found at the beginning. And in. Um, and on the uh, the news show, um, they're investigating who this man is. By the end of the film, you realize that he's a person that everyone in this narrative knew. He yep. was part of their team. He was part of the news team. And he has been removed from the universe. Well, It's so completely that none of them remember him anymore
0: holy shit
1: I know and um, yeah it's incredible it's an, it's an incredible film um, and you know but it takes you a long time to figure this out You know, yeah. it's not a long film but it takes you a while to figure this out and they are relying on you being able to figure this out they are relying on you asking yourself consistently okay why am I being shown this what's the point of what, how does
0: what's this co- connect to that
1: yeah how does this connect to that you know it's like it's the not
0: what's the well, I mean what's um what I've started to call the skin protocol um <laughs> because when Kate and I finally as I said i would made one attempt to watch skin when yes. was, and it was kind of like I was trying to watch it like over my lunch so I wasn't paying full attention It was like it was very clear okay you need to focus on this and so yeah. we both agreed okay all the lights out put mm-hmm. our phones away uh we give this our undivided attention and as we watched I was sort of I think right, so I think that that's supposed to I mean that and that's you know we were kind of like yeah thinking aloud to make the connections. and um that made the film um, we, you know we, we found ourselves getting much more engaged with the film and yeah as I said yeah. and, it, and, and
1: it, makes it's, it makes it so much worse it, you know it's,
0: it's it's terrifying by the I mean as I said it has its flaws it's a, there were a yeah. couple of, of long, there's some a few long years you know where it was a little bit too long for its own good but the there are sequences of that, that are utterly utterly terrifying. Yes. Uh, It's a uniquely unsettling experience. And I, you know, definitely. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, and there's the, it's that weird thing of being frightened by an idea.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, it's like, and something has come into my head. Take it out. Take it out. Take it out. (laughs) You know, it's like, why did you make me think of that? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you know, um, You know, we we circle back to the beginning, you know, the particularly with stuff like the apparition phase um, where he's talking about, you know, uh, looking at ghost photos, you know, and trying to figure out how a ghost photo has been faked, trying to figure out, you know, and if it hasn't been faked, what are you actually seeing? You know, Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with hauntology as well. You know, it's like from this angle it looks like this. From this angle, it looks like this. It's um it's almost like a Rorschach blot. Oh yeah. actually one of the most ontological things that I've seen recently is a movie called Rorschach that was made in um I think twenty fourteen or possibly okay. twenty fifteen. It's on YouTube and it's about a investigation um by two guys. Uh two paranormalists who come in um actually i think of the, i think they think of themselves just as physicists and they come in to um investigate weird things going on in somebody's house um she's pretty she's like is it a ghost is it you know and they're like oh no no I, i'm i'm sorry um we, you know we're just here to measure it we're not actually here to tell you what it is because we don't know what it is <laughs> And, um, yeah, sorry. and it's just you know they start out sort of quote quote, normally supernatural normal paranormal activity, but then getting bigger and bigger and odder and odder and odder. Um, yeah. yeah, completely worth your time. You know you should check it out. Anybody, anybody here should check it out.
0: There's another writer. I mean, definitely if you can if you can find if you can find these these books, they're definitely worth reading. Uh, there's a guy called David Hutchinson, and he's um, uh, he's he write he's known in more recent years for writing the uh, the uh, the Europe in Autumn series, you know, sort of, sort of um, set in a near fu- in a sort of near future and fairly dystopian um, Europe. But right. um, I first encountered him when I was uh, a kid back in the 80s. He, I think, at the age of 17, he wrote his first he had his first book published, a story collection uh, mm. called Thumbprints, and mm. he with another one called Torn Air. And uh, there were a couple of others, but they were mo- edging much more into science fiction, whereas the first yeah. couple, there's uh, a strong element of, of super, and it's a very hauntological super- mm-hmm. do not, not not deliberately, because he's just basically working, th- this was basically, he was basically writing in that period. Yeah. And his stuff basically p- puts in a lot of those ideas. There's a lot of his kind of um, his stories revolve around the idea of these characters who, uh, discover what they call transplacement, which is basically teleportation. Which, of course, right. has its own revolutionising effect on on society. But in the process, they uh, in the process of they discover they encounter of a ghost that yes. tries to kill them.
1: Um, <laughs> That's great.
0: They do, but they do several of the. But there's there were several of these stories which um, uh, uh, Jimmy Singh and Neil Judson are the two main characters, um, and they keep they, they run across a few different. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Few different permutations of this but to I me mean, this this also stories with kind of a nearest future setting that how ha- also have a very um uh they have a very supernatural there's a wonderful story called ace in the hole um and it's about a guy who has this one particular talent which is whenever you cut a deck of cards he always finds that he always picks an ace mm-hmm. which is not a particularly useful skill except that a card game called ace in the hole, springs yes. up as he gets older. And the whole point is you just, everyone just picks a card from the deck of the winner and whoever wins, whoever has the highest card wins and aces are high. So of course he makes an absolute fortune mm. on this. And then he's on us, And then in, in this future, they have, they have commercial submarines that can transport you from place to place. He's on board it, and there's a malfunction mm. stuck under there. And the captain says, okay, there are five of us on board here. And with the oxygen, we've got five people will not live long enough for the rescue ship to for the rescue rescue to arrive. However, four people could. How are we going to determine it? We cut cards. Of course. <laughs> and this, this woman who he's struck up a friendship with, but mm-hmm. a possible early romance, um, he's told her this story and uh, she basically, you know, kind of realizes that his his skill has basically condemned him to death, and so when it gets to her turn, she just goes, "It's an ace," and you never you're never sure if she's actually picked an ace or not, or if mm-hmm. she's done this to sort of, she's sexist. This she's decided to sacrifice herself for this guy she doesn't really know. Uh, but I mean, this was written by a seventeen year old, and it's a very mature. Yeah. Very well, apart that, um, and she's yeah she and after he's rescued, yeah you know, he realizes he's never even looked at his own card, and he looks at yeah. it, it's a queen the uh, so one time that uh, wow. a nice guy or anything but he also there's also a wonderful i can't remember what it's called but there's this one where um this guy he's like the only individual left this the entire every everyone else has become part of this gestalt hive mind mm. uh, saying that there's a, a dominant gene for telepathy and eventually something makes it kick in and so all the minds on earth are connected right merged into one and he was like the only there, and then he runs friends into one other person and something happens um but yeah he's like alone on the planet with a single whenever he goes you know someone will pick him up if he's hip-tacking go he goes to a hotel and the receptionist hello, da- hello jack it's a nightmare <laughs> so yeah if you it's um a lot of this stuff is very much has that very hauntological feel of it there's the parasite the parapsychology the sort of the blurred line between science and and the supernatural the paranormal yeah. uh, very much of that just because it's it was written by a new writer of it science so if you can get hold of thumbprints or torn air i highly recommend them okay um, they're just a lot of them are just terrific short stories
1: yeah. in any
0: case but they definitely have that hauntological vibe to them
1: yeah, uh, exactly. So, you know, are we talking about a genre? I think we're talking about a vibe more than a genre. Yeah.
0: I think we're talking about a... But that's, I mean, that's a horror in many ways.
1: Yeah, exactly. Aesthetic is part of it, but it's not the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's. So. A lot of it, I mean, again, a lot of it is that indef- a lot of hauntology is that indefinable feeling of, of, of possibility of this idea that the world is so much more complex and strange than we can imagine. And that is uh, not in a way that necessi- not that science understands and not that traditional religion necessarily has posited either, but it's that strangeness is, is terrifying, but it's also rich in, but it's rich in possibility. Those possibilities are yes. frightening and they're enthralling. They're potentially, yes. you know, potentially a step into something it's, it's 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 unlike say lovecraft where what speak where the all the all all the stuff that lies behind the lies behind the facade of what we know or outside the very narrow circumscribed space of what we know is like oh god it's horrifying it's like well it's could be but
1: it, it might not
0: be some of it might be some of it some of it isn't some of it isn't or you know
1: yeah
0: it's there's an op- it's it's frightening and optimistic it's it's optimistic at the same time um and maybe that's and maybe that's a very valuable feeling for people to have that yeah. things don't aren't just what they are or don't just have to be as they are that there are other ways of seeing and other ways of doing and being which sounds a bit hippyish i know but uh,
1: uh it sounds a bit hippyish but it also reminds me of um you know there's that, uh, the multiverse theory, um, as filtered through Stephen King. You know, yeah. there are other worlds than this,
0: yeah. And there's that Le Guin, uh, as sort of Le Guin thing of you know, sort of, um, you know, the of how a lot of it is about imagining other possibilities. You know, the, the uh, capitalism seems you know, completely completely inescapable and something which is just the natural order of things, which is no alternative, yes. but that is how the divine right of kings once appeared. And people, yes. people imagined otherwise.
1: Yes, exactly. You know, that um, when people start to have different ideas, when people start to think about different things and go, well, wait a minute, things don't have to be the way that they always have been. At first it's horrifying, It's very frightening because it's chaotic and abnormal, but then something shifts, and it's infinite possibility. And I think when we go back to what we were talking about at the beginning, you know, everything's nice, everything's normal, and then something's a little abnormal, and then it's horrifying, but it's also fascinating.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, you know, again, the people who you always, and this is possibly why, the people who have always scared me most are the ones who are trying to enforce conformity and the ones who don't, who ha- who, who seem to dislike an individual voice. Anyone who doesn't kind of, who isn't in lockstep agreement with every single point. And unfortunately, it's not just the right wing who have that authoritarian nope, tendency. Not there at are all. So many of these. Uh, and and then there was a time when I started writing, I think I was kind of hoping I'd write stories that would send my readers out to kind of storm the barricades sort of thing. But mm-hmm. these days, I'm much more interested in stuff that that provokes kind of complicated and conflicted kind of responses. And it's just kind of like, you know, I'm not here to preach a moral. What is this about? It's, well, it's about 7,000 words long in the case yes. of the story. And it is what it is. And you have to deal with that. You have to process that. And you have to come up with your own. Solutions, um, and I think, yeah, we need more people. People need we need to, people to have individual responses. We need people to have minds of their own, and yes. uh, just become part of another kind of marching mass mind. Because that's just as that's the kind of that's yeah. the kind of bullshit that gets us into trouble to begin with.
1: Well, it's true. I, uh, you know, I I may love cults, but I hate cultishness. Yeah. Well, we've <laughs> we solved yeah. all the problems of the world now.
0: Fuckers, aren't we? So, I mean, have we have we left any any hauntological works of uh, fiction, art, uh, cinema, music, television, whatever out? Then let us know,
1: please. Uh, so maybe Let's we'll
0: come back and do this shit again. Uh, yeah, we'll absolutely. So, Me-
1: meanwhile, Ghost is on Tubi. Watch it.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. There's a there's a, a sort of later period haunt a bit of hauntology from the the pen of the brilliant Stephen Volk, who yeah. a writer whose stuff really, you know, just d- d- not enough of that guy's stuff is getting gets made into films or TV. Uh, check that out. Check out Afterlife as well, the TV series. Yes, and that fucking thing with Ricky Gervais. I hate Ricky Gervais, but um, the the TV series with Andrew Lincoln and the yeah. Sharp, which is just two seasons of some of the best television of the early 2000s. I so,
1: agree. Seriously. Absolutely. Uh,
0: so, we will, okay. we will be back next time, and to lower the tone of the conversation again, and uh, <laughs> more interesting stuff to talk shit about, um, but until then, I have been Simon Bester.
1: I have been Gemophiles, Files, and this, of course, has been No Darkness, Darkness, But Ours. Darkness.
0: <laughs> <laughs>